This week on the show, we talk my least favorite episode and why it's not so bad, The Wilder West. We also talk about Game Night and Pace Makes Waste, as well as the spaghetti version of Mr. Block and Company. What does that even mean? Find out this week on A Miracle or a Milo, the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A Miracle or a Milo, the show. So you heard the intro. You know what we're going over this week. But before we do that, Rachel and I just want to let you know about a little opportunity through the Anchor FM app. If you're listening through it right now, that's awesome. But if you're listening somewhere else, you should go and download the app. And if you go to the podcast through the app, then you'll be able to leave us a message to comment about the things that we talk about in the episode, to ask us a question, or even just to let us know that like you like the show. You could call in and be like, hey... I like the show, and we might play it because we love listener feedback. If you want to call in and say, hey, I hate the show, we won't play that, but we'll still take your feedback into consideration. So anyways, Rachel, why don't you say hi to the audience for this week? Hey! I think I've done way too much talking so far. But anyways, yes, the Anchor FM app. So what's been new in the Milo Murphy's Law world for you this week? What have, what have you been looking at as far as the episodes and thinking about? Mostly I've been thinking about Game Night and Pace Makes Waste. That's true, because those are the ones we're going to review. But I think in the community this week, there's been a little bit of um, there's been a little bit of just going rounds about season one and you know how it compares to season two, because a lot of people are talking you know about how they they have like a different feel. Yeah, they do, and in some ways, season one I do feel like felt a little better, but I am still really enjoying season two, and I find all the little character interactions to be a lot of fun. Definitely. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get into the episode of the week right away. So this week we're going to do Wilder West. I picked this one for this week because it's personally one of my least favorite episodes uh, of the show. So I wanted to see if we could find some good stuff in it. So the premise is, you know, Milo, Melissa, and Zach are going to essentially a dude ranch, and they're spending a day at the Wild West where Zach meets the one-day love of his life, Jackie, uh, the great-great-great-granddaughter of Calamity Jane, and stuff goes awry. So, let's see. What's what's your favorite part of this episode? Definitely Milo in the back when they're trying to get on the horses. Yes. And it's just kind of bucking around, knocking them all around. He's doing, like, loops. That was one of my favorite parts. Yeah, that was fantastic. I love it when they do things like that in the background. There's a lot. And Melissa and Zach are just, like, debating, you know, what can we do that's safe? You know, there's this, but with the open bonfire. And this, but with the open bonfire. This was an episode written by Danny Vitri. So, it has that very... Vitri style that you get both in Phineas and Ferb and Milo Murphy's Law. It goes around the open bonfire. Yeah, you don't. You wouldn't want to go on a hayride. Although Milo is not opposed to hay, as we learned from Field of Screams, that it can't really hurt him thus far. So the first thing is that uh, Jackie, she's actually the same voice as Wendy Stinklehopper from Phineas and Ferb Christmas Vacation. I didn't know if you knew this. I thought that was kind of interesting. She's the girl that Baljeet liked? Yeah. Am I remembering that right? Who has, like, one okay. line. So she likes being the one-time love interest, I guess, on the shows. But she's also uh, Gretchen and teen Gretchen. So she is a fireside girl as well. Okay, so that, that's who I pictured when you brought her up for some reason. So that's probably why. I think it was weird that they chose Wendy and not Ginger 
uh, during the Christmas episode, but at that point, I don't think they had fully settled on the whole Baljeet Ginger direction yet. But still, that's kind of interesting. They were still planning it out there, yeah. So we have uh, just another thing I noted. Jackie's cowboy hat looks like an Alka fedora. I don't, I don't know if you saw this, but it's got like the same black stripe and like brown color as like Perry's hat. Okay, that's the one thing I don't remember from the episode. She's got like a cowboy. I didn't notice that until I rewatched. It. I was like, oh, maybe that's the tip of the hat, or maybe it's nothing at all. And then this is also the one where Jackie calls Zach boy band twice during the episode. That one was before um, Secrets and Buys, right? Exactly. So I think I, yeah, I remember going back and being like. That makes so much more sense now. Yeah, I think it's funny because, you know, it implies that she knew him from the beginning of the episode, which I think is really... Because, like, when she meets Milo, Melissa, and Zach, you don't really get the sense that, you know, she really knows them. Like, like it's like their first meeting. But my guess is that she, you know, has probably listened to the Lumberzacks at least once or twice enough to know, you know, that Zach is a Lumberzack, which I think is kind of funny. Yeah, it is. So I feel like it was a good concept, but the overall execution of the episode was kind of like meh. I feel like if maybe they had given uh, Milo, Milo's parents, Milo and Sarah's parents, like a subplot at the mall with Cavendish and Dakota, maybe the episode would have felt more well-rounded. Because the only two plots that you had were Sarah's plot with the whole Doctor Zone, and then Milo, Melissa, Zach, and Jackie. Yeah, that would that would have been a lot more interesting because it would have been nice to see how a plot would have gone with Cavendish and Dakota that instead of focusing more on Milo, Melissa, and Zach was more with his parents and Sarah. Right. Because most of the time if they have a plot, it's connecting to those three. And you had Cavendish and Dakota at the mall. So I would have loved to just see, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Murphy going shopping and, you know, having to buy everything that they <laughs> broke, essentially. Okay, so... Um, th this was another episode where we got to meet Josh and Chris again, the Dr. Zone fans, who I don't think we've seen in, like, since this episode, really in depth. I can't, I can't think of another episode where we really see them. They're not even, like, they're not even, like, background characters in a lot of episodes, which, it makes me wonder, because they, they brought, like, Allison Stoner in to voice Chris, and so, like, they clearly put a lot of work into these characters, but then, they're, like, they forgot about them. I wonder if they are going to become important or not especially since we're as far as season two or one and two go we're like done with the whole orton plot yeah there's no i mean there's still like doctor's own like references like the comics in i think it's uh, milo's world but there's no and and well i guess you could still bring it back around with sarah because i feel like and this is one of my biggest complaints with season two is sarah has gotten like little to no character development so um, there were lots of good jokes in this episode. That's one definite positive thing I can say about that. Uh, lots of callbacks. There was the one callback about assuming. Uh, Jackie's like, I just assumed that, you know, the pen would hold the bowl or whatever. And she's like, guess I was wrong. And then, like, Milo's just like, you know, you know what they say about assuming or whatever. And then they bring it back with Sarah's plot where um, she says something like, but I just assumed this was the dirt in the, in the shooting site from Dr. Zone. And so that was a nice little play between both episodes. Um, and like you said, there was a lot of physical comedy, too, with <laughs> Milo and his horse, Psycho. I did not catch the assuming thing, that's for sure. I think one thing that was funny also was the fact that they kept on forgetting Sarah. Like, every time you turn around, it's like, Milo or someone's like, Sarah! And they're like, 
Why do I keep forgetting her? I think the show likes to play off that. It's It shouldn't be funny, but it is because then you also have uh, the joke where Milo always, like, puts Sarah, like, second or, like, last. He's like, uh, Melissa, Zach, my backpack, Sarah. And then in, uh, in Fungus Among Us, he says, oh, no, they've got Sarah. Quick, let's follow her. And then he gets to the Lard World prison. And he's like, oh boy, look what they've done to Lard World. Now it's personal. Like, it wasn't personal when they got his sister. It only became personal when they went to Lard World. I don't know. I think that's kind of funny. Milo, you are a nice kid, but... <laughs> you gotta learn to love your sister, uh, man. A... Yeah. That, there's a lot that ties Fungus Among Us and Missing Milo together beyond, you know, just the similar jokes. But Melissa was also notably sassier in this episode. I rewatched and I was like, wow, she was really sassy, especially with the whole, you know, we've lost Zach. And then, like, she made a lot of sarcastic comments towards Jackie. And then at the end of the day, when they get back in the car, she's like, well, that was a fun day. Like, she, she, she was just not having it that day. A little bit jealous, maybe. Maybe. That's, that's what I was thinking. So that was, that was Wilder West. Do you have anything else to say about, uh, about the episode? No, not, not really on that one. It was just kind of a, a one and done, and we move on, I guess. Yeah, I go back and watch it every once in a while when I want to mix it up more. Exactly. That's what like, I watch it for as well. I've put Fungus and Among Us on. And little things in the background. Yeah, it just had a lot of good jokes, and I think it was, it was better than I remembered it. So that was pretty good. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and get into our main review for this week, which is going to be Game Night and Pace Makes Waste, a pair of episodes that came out following Picture Day and A-G-E-N-T-D-O-G, the impossible-to-pronounce episode. Still don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, even after you figure it out, you, you forget in the next day, and you're like, wait a second, what? Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and start just with kind of various thoughts. We start off with the soy dogs joke, Milo and his family cooking out on the grill. You'd think they'd learn after all these years that it, it wouldn't work, but it, it still didn't work. They're persistent. Who in the family, they are persistent. who do you think they were cooking the soy dogs for, if not Zach and not Mr. Murphy? Do you, do you think Milo's mom is like a, a vegan? It's probably for DOG. That's true. DOG probably likes them. I could, I could see DOG eating a bunch of soy dogs. They gotta include his preference. Exactly. He has to play the game, too. Dan Pavemeyer's song for this episode was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, the clips were a little bit funny in some parts. In other parts, I was like, this is bizarre and crazy. And then there was cute ones, like where they're all on the game board. I thought that looked really cute. Yeah, there were a lot of, there were a lot of, it was a really well-boarded segment. And I just loved hearing Dan Pavemeyer's voice come out of Milo's mouth. Something about that made me die laughing. <laughs> like like the deep Dan Pavemeyer evil boy's voice coming out of Milo's mouth. Um, but yeah, that was, a, that was a nice montage song. Uh, as far as... Everybody gets the, that voice eventually. Yeah, is there a character that Dan Poffenmeyer won't voice? What if they brought in Phineas and Ferb and did like a... You know how Perry sw switched minds with like Candace? What if you had like, like Doof switch minds with Melissa or something? Like something crazy to get him into the weirder characters. Like then Doof could oh, voice Melissa, and and then you could just switch it up. Do like a, you you've seen have you seen a TV show with one of those crazy episodes where like everybody gets mind swapped? Yeah, there was one of Gravity Falls I think that I watched. 
That's right, yeah. There was one in Gravity Falls, and then there was one in this really old show called Gilligan's Island. Uh, that I think I think it was one of the earlier ones to do it. Doof's but Island. Doof's Island, yes. Doof's Island is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Okay, so the we got the the little spinner when they they say you know we can play Larbo with the board game. It even has the spinner, and then it flew off like an alien saucer. So nice little teaser there. I know what we're gonna do today. That little musical cue. Yeah, and then like right after that, not when they were actually playing the game, but when they're getting ready to read the instructions and stuff. There's another Phineas and Ferb song. Oh, there was. And I don't know what this one's called, but it plays a lot when Candace is around, I think, and it's usually her, like a more relaxed song. Huh. I, I I totally missed that. That's really cool. To go back. So I'll see like... if I can send you it later and show you. Okay. Uh, we also get the second appearance of Recurring Raccoon, who I really think shouldn't have become Recurring Raccoon until his second appearance, but I digress. That's a good point. I do like Recurring Raccoon a lot, though. Me too. Also, the the sudden shark attack in the playing card game, well, that one always makes me smile. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, where's the thing going to go wrong the whole time? And then, oh, here, okay, here's a shark. I don't know if Milo was a... I really liked his shark mantras much after that. Maybe maybe that's where he got his shark mantras was after that he's like, you know what, maybe maybe I need to think more positively. If this shark could make it all the way to our house with positive thinking, imagine how far I can make it. No, think like a shark, that's how I'll get to finish this game or something like that. Yeah, it's like, if I can think like a shark, I can I can make friends with the shark and then we can finish the game. And that's the story of Milo's shark mantras. Now, if we just knew the story of why he wears sweater vests. Josh had to tease us like that in the Managing Murphy's Law episode. I really wanted yeah, to hear that. Yeah, I need to know that one. So we also got uh, something I just wanted to point out. Dioji's intelligence varies wildly across the series. I was just saying, like, he's cheating and a bit of a sore loser, too. <laughs> I did not expect that, but I love that. Like, I... him moving the piece, or Cavendish moving his piece in front of him, Dioji growling, so he's just like, moving it back slowly because he's like oh okay it's weird to think that don't cross dog <laughs> like dog has like his own character i don't know it's it's kind of a unique thought because you look at him in like just one episode ago in impossible to name the episode um he's like he's like very kind of just happy-go-lucky like oh i'm just gonna kind of you know go around and you know mess like he's not he's not critically thinking i guess um which is kind of different because then like you know, when he's playing the board game, he has this very dominant mindset. So it's funny to see, you know, the various sides of Dioji's personality. You just got to catch him in the right mood at the right time. Exactly. I also noticed that was why when he first, when Do first sees Dioji in the crossover, Dioji's like super happy. Um, that first shot, Dioji's like panting. He's like super happy to see Doof. I was like, oh, okay, that's because they had, they had met before. And then Doof, all like, you mean he's not an agent? Just like. That's that's a better line when you've seen that episode. Like, I think I thought that was a lot more fun when you see that because he's kind of thinking you you remind me of someone, but probably not. Now that I think about not agent. Exactly. Um, yeah, that was mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> Neil from the comic shop too. Neil from the comic shop. I think that's it's always that's his last always, name. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah and him. That'll be their last name when they're older. Sarah, is that Sarah from the comic shop? Neil and Sarah from the comic shop. We now pronounce you yeah. man and wife. <laughs> okay, so Veronica returns for like a two-second cameo to deliver pizza. It, it would have been kind of fun if she could have stayed. 
I did like her brief appearance there, though. Yeah, it was it, nice. It was, nice time. it was fun. And how she just like pointing out the no, not a black hole, deadly vortex above their house. Completely different. And she's totally chill about it, though, which so, makes sense. Yeah. She's just like, yeah, okay, I've been around Milo. Like, she, I think there was one shot where she, she like, rescues Milo as, like, the house is blowing up. Yeah, there was that. And it was one of the few times we got to see a little Milo. Baby Milo. I love him in uh, the Isle of Lost Dakotas. That's, like, one of my favorite parts. It's like, he's trying to tie his shoe, and baby D.O.G. is even better. So, Melissa can crow like a lard rooster. I just thought that was interesting. Oh, yeah. And, and Zach... Zach's reaction because he's thinking, ha, there's no way she's going to be able to do this. And yeah, she showed him. Yeah, she really did. There's a lot you don't know about Melissa. And I feel like, you know, besides the fact that, you know, she's missing her two front teeth, maybe that's what Zach will get her for Christmas is two new front teeth. Gosh. <laughs> no, but um, I feel this episode felt a lot like um, Secrets and Pies from season one. I felt like I got the same vibe. I mean, I mean, they were both Josh episodes, and they were both like almost entirely set in Milo's house, so I think that's why they felt similar. No, I, I never got that vibe from it, but I can see what you mean, especially with the Veronica part. Yeah. Yeah, you got um, Veronica. Catfish Nakoda, so it's like, yeah, it's like it's kind of like Secrets and Pies, but they're including more characters. Yeah, I was amazed that all the characters got enough screen time. Like, I felt like you know they were all there playing the game. Which would have been pretty hard. And also hard. Cavendish. Cavendish and Dakota, like, barging in like the wood man, only they're taking the wood. They're not bringing it. Exactly. Little Hilda reference for those of you who are caught up on that show. So, if you roll doubles, you get another turn, maybe. the Like, the shark made me laugh, but this one made me laugh even harder. I just loved Dakota. Yes. He's like, you gotta be careful, he cheats. And Cavendish is like, if you roll doubles, you get another turn. I was just like, that, that killed me. I loved it. Okay, Dakota on his own is funny, but when you get a Cavendish reaction, it just it's ten times better. <laughs> it, it really like his reactions make everything better. Well, and that's funny because that's like a rule for most games. Like, if you do roll doubles, you typically get another turn. So, like, what game was Dakota playing where you don't roll doubles and not get another turn? That was probably messed up, but I stand by it. Swampy just does really outstanding, though, when he does Cavendish especially. Yeah, they're both amazing voice actors. So with the pizza, maybe maybe this was just because Cavendish and Dakota came in late, but like when when Veronica brings the pizza, there's no way that pizza was gonna feed everybody. Like I'm looking at that pizza, it's like one box. Like like how are they planning to split that? Like even even with Neil, like if they all got like a quarter of the pizza, like Sarah gets two slices, Mr. Murphy. Yeah, you you mean like they're where they're grabbing it from the box? Yeah, and like there it's just like four big slices. I was like, how are they gonna plan to feed everybody with that? Are they just gonna be like somebody'll like the the burnt soy dogs? You know, it's like we'll give him we'll give him to Neil. He's not a part of the family yet. <laughs> Dakota might eat it. Dakota will eat fish sandwiches, and <laughs> he doesn't even like fish sandwiches apparently. Also, you know, again the Doof cameo. I actually like this one still. Like, him falling through is kind of funny to me. And also him knowing Neil from the comic shop, which does not surprise me after the whole phone call thing, you know. <laughs> okay, so let's see. The Deadly Vortex. 
What do you think about this? What what were Cavendish and Dakota doing? I have no idea, but I want to know. I just thought, like how Dakota passed by so many furniture stores there just to get their table. Yeah, no, uh, no. Was this was this PIG that sent them on this mission? Do you think that was after that, wasn't it? Yeah, what? Never mind. That was after that. Yes, this. But again, you know, the continuity of these episodes is always in question. They weren't wearing their suits or anything, but it could have been. It's hard to say. That's true. They were in their original outfits. So was this... But then why would they be trying to stop... How would they know? There's, I have so many questions about this whole deadly vortex thing. What what caused the deadly vortex? Was this like a Phineas and Ferb invention gone wrong? I feel like this is one of the things they're expecting you to just roll with. To, to quote but the song. it's fun to imagine what, it, what, it's, what caused it and everything, though. If you roll with it doubles, you get another turn. Or another episode. Two I, unintentional references in one. Exactly. So, another moment that was a highlight for me, and I think you touched on, you know, Cavendish just being absolutely hilarious, was his comment about pirates. Uh, yes, that's like, what I was going to bring up earlier. Yeah, uh, so the Melissa's whole, you know, say uh, arg in a pirate voice, and he's like, arg. And you're like, you know, the classical British. And Dakota's like, that's not even close. And then Cavendish is just like, actually, pirate, uh, pirates were often, you know, uh, Brit- British privateers who, you know, were very smart. And <laughs> and then Melissa's just like, I'm the banker. It's okay. That was that was another Brad- great Bradley one. would be proud. Bradley would be very proud. But yeah, that was, that was a really... That that just made me laugh a lot. Okay, so one other thing about uh, this episode was I think Neil, of all the characters, he was probably utilized the least. I know I said that you know they had a fairly even balance, but he he probably got the the least part of this. Yeah, he did. Um, the most he said was at when when Sarah was drawing the cards or had to draw the card. Yeah, go back seven hundred spaces. But he also seems like fairly confident with the whole murphy's law thing not necessarily afraid like it doesn't scare him off do you think like like what do you what do you think that conversation was like when sarah had to like be like oh well you know that whole toboggan chase that's my brother and my dad and murphy's law and and i wonder if she did get to explain it clearly yet i feel like she would stop to explain that i don't know that she'd want to leave something important like that out but it's it's really hard to say whether or not she did especially when you go to Mila's world which is not out in english yet it's still Hopefully in spanish soon. she seems yeah i, I want to see that one really bad it looks really weird but really fun there's so many great freeze frames that we need to take once we know the context and then take them out of context and use them as gifs and memes i need to start a i was thinking about this starting like a Milo murphy's law gif project that might already be a thing this would be one of those things that you want to ask People, somebody who's not seen Milo Murphy's Law explain this picture, that's the episode you'd want to get most of those things from. Like uh, the like the pistachios or Orton's backflip. Be like, when it's Friday, and have the Orton's backflip gif. I don't know. Just, just things like that. Have you ever seen the movie Jumanji? I've not, but I want to. I know it's got Reese Darby in it. Yeah, the new... King Pistachian. Yeah, the new, the new Jumanji. Or, yeah, the, yeah, the new one. You're talking about an older one, aren't you? Yeah, there's like an old one with Robin Williams, but that's what they kind yeah. of based. Like the whole end of the episode here was a reference to the ending of that. At the ending of Jumanji, they're all one roll away from, you know, beating the game or whatever. 
So that that's like at the end of this episode, like they're all like, "Oh, we're we're one roll away. Just quick, roll the dice." And then as soon as they rolled the dice, everything gets sucked back into the game. Except in, at this point, when everybody when they rolled the dice, and they win, they get sucked up into outer space. That was a nice little homage there. Yeah, I like the ending too. It's bizarre and weird, very strange. But Sarah pointing out how the finish line is in their sights and how she can taste everything, and Dakota just like. Does it taste like old gum? Because I can't find my game piece. Yeah. I like that line. It was just the whole thing being so overdramatic is what I was going to say. And like Sarah and Milo and their overdramatic death scene. And then Melissa like giving them like an eye roll. I thought that was funny. Just telling of her character. That, that would be me. She's just like, come on, let's finish the game. It's like, no wonder you've never finished a board game. You have dramatic stuff like this going on. You just wasted 30 seconds. We could have rolled in one. Season two has had a lot of weird fake out endings. Like I like it, but like there's the one in uh, the the episode with the unpronounceable name that uh, like Doof is like um, he's like, but you know, but the other dog he was definitely an agent. And then like it does the dun 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 dun, dun and then it cuts to black, and then it cuts back in, and he'd he's like, or maybe I just recognize you because I've been on your couch for uh, the the past few months. And this episode did like a similar thing where it's like, and we've won the gratitude of the spaghetti people. And it was just like, dum, and then it ends and then it comes back and it's like, does anybody know how to get back to our dimension? I don't know how I feel about the fake out endings yet. I, I definitely, I liked them. I found them fun and to be funny. The gratitude of spaghetti people seems like a very nice thing to have, I think. I wonder if that'll come into play in one of the more plot-based episodes like instead of the dakota army coming to their aid we get the the spaghetti people army coming to their aid they said it was gonna get weirder that's probably about as weird as you can get i'm kind of looking forward to how weird their next um 45 minute special is going to be because i feel like it's going to be cram-packed and hopefully they do it in a really really charming way that's just super funny to watch that would be the episode to play someone to get them utterly confused like, watching I, through. I understand Doofenshmirtz. What's going on? I think I think Missing Milo is a good confusion spot. Or Fungus Among Us. I've seen a lot of people start at Fungus Among Us just because they wanted to see Doof. And then they're like, well, I'm totally confused. Let's let's figure out what's going on here. Um, yeah, I think you said you you had done that. Yeah, last week I said, yeah, I started with Missing Milo. Not not a good place to start. But if you want to get people interested, it's definitely an attention grabber, to say the least. All right, so you want to go ahead and start talking about uh, Pace Makes Waste, unless there was anything else you wanted to say about Game Night? Mm, no, I think that's about it. it. It felt like it could have been a plot episode, but it was a joke episode. And I think that, that was a little bit confusing, at least for me. But I still really enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, and I think in some ways... Pace makes ways could be kind of similar. Uh, from the standpoint, it was kind of hard to see where it's a plot-based episode, but it does have a bit of character growth. A lot of Elliot's reactions and everything in this episode were funny to me, and also the, the gotta get this out of the way first. The Doof cameo, calling up Martin to talk about basically the lemonade in the fridge that he was so so convinced was shampoo, and just. Better than just hearing him talk about that and how annoyed Martin seemed by it is looking at Bridget's expressions because they, they change in really funny ways according to what he, she hears Martin saying. 
Yeah, the little animation details to just tell you what they're thinking are in this episode are really good. And then there's also the, I think Martin says, like, well, why is Doof still living with us? And she's just like, it's convoluted. That's the writer saying, we don't really know why, but we want him to be there. So, okay. Yeah, that's kind of what it is like. Um, another thing is Elliot. He, you know, he made a whole thing like he doesn't want Milo there when he sees him coming up to the skybox. And they start talking him how Milo deserves to be there and everything because, you know, his parents are organizing this and everything. And then he lets them decide to let just stay because he does not want to upset D.O.G. Elliot can be rude, but that was very nice to me. He, he respects <laughs> he animals. The dog. That's true. Yeah, no, he he should become a member of PETA. He wants to he wants to respect the animals, make sure they're all treated properly. Save the llamas. A lot of animals. Maybe squirrel a little little bit less though. Yeah. I think everybody at this point is a little bit more nervous around squirrels. Squirrels are just they're just indecisive creatures that just interfere with everything. Squirrels and recurring raccoon. Yeah, recurring raccoon. To me the funniest part about the whole thing was definitely Elliot's reaction to when Milo decided he was going to give him his ticket to ride in the safety car. Because of the way he runs down, all excited and everything. Anybody who's ever been to a place. stadium can be can like relate to that. Like, the layouts are so confusing. And, like, like you go to that, you go, like, all the way down one way, and then it's like, oh, it's a dead end. I have not been to a stadium for a while, but it's funny to watch either way. Because, <laughs> to me, it just looks like he's so overly excited He's just going all over the place. Yeah, and and that was for the music timed that with that, the music that was timed with that was really good. So we got the return of Snowflyer three. I did not expect to go anywhere, really beyond what it had, in Love Toboggan. I thought that was just a one and done kind of thing, but That's it was kind of funny to see it back again. I'm like, wow, that thing, that thing has power, man. Not not, not even just speed flyer, like endurance flyer. <laughs> three months going strong what did they say it was three months they said i think it was weeks because they were trying to make like a joke about the season hiatus but they didn't realize that disney was going to make the hiatus like over a year so they're like oh it'll be funny because you know it's been a couple weeks since love toboggan aired but nope it's been years since love toboggan aired yeah but the other thing is seeing the different directions elliot has in this episode beyond just being his usual his usual thing where he always tries to stop Milo from doing anything that could potentially lead to something dangerous. He's actually kind of saying stuff that helped Milo himself, like the hot dog thing. And then him willingly thanking Milo for letting him ride in the safety car, too. I mean, it wasn't just him thanking him, because obviously he was a little freaked out, because he's very conflicted right now. As they're hurtling through the racetrack with a um, giant rocket engine on the back of their car yeah that was a crazy murphy's law action scene and we got to see scott the undergrounder again which was always a a nice treat he's a very good artist yeah he even made the sheep i wish i could paint i wish i could paint as good as him i know it's like that's that's how he should he should uh you know prepare for the date not not collecting badgers it's like here, I made you a nice painting. Oh, well, that's really nice, you know. And here's a badger. That also makes me think. When they went out of the stadium, Zach trying to narrate the whole thing was interesting. And Melissa just she looked 
kind of entertained by it at first. Like, she's, like, wondering how it's going to go. She actually might have even had a little confidence that he could do it. And then he got started. And she's just kind of like, uh, Zach, yeah, you, you you're me. here on your own here. I'm not associating with you. Push away. She's a hacker, though, man. She... Like she was like hacking into the bank security fee, which was probably some political commentary. But she also hacked into like the Lard World blimp and like a ton of other stuff. I'm like, y- you know how long it takes me just to like, just to like get a Skype video feed set up, and like within three seconds you've hacked into Lard World's video feed. Like, <laughs> that's gonna be important later, I'm sure. She's gonna like hack into an alien ship or something. Like Milo's gonna get captured or something, and she's gonna have to hack into the controls. Yes. I feel like that's going to be important. Yeah, so far, this this season hasn't had a whole lot of setup and payoffs between episodes like season one. Like we were talking about, you know, how Jackie called, you know, Zach boy band. And then you got to Secrets and Pies and you found out, you know, he was in a boy band. I don't think there's been as much of that this season. This has been running through my head for a while now. On the topic of the hacking, I picture this thing where she has to hack into the ship to get him to get Milo off, but they need someone to get on board undercover. And so they decide to pick someone who's kind of already got the octopus like thing going on with effective tentacle. And this is like super reaching, but I just imagine them making this really, really ch- cheesy, really cheap looking octopus costume and making Bradley wear it. I would I would just say just send Bradley. Like say he's an alien. Like here's an alien from another planet. You know, he's he's got yeah, but- the the arm Thing. Melissa, Melissa could be like wanting to actually put him in that and Zach be like you know he probably could have um, sold as an alien without that and she's like yeah but this makes it more fun I can see that yeah I'm really excited for the 45 minute special whenever that comes out it should be yeah. exciting every time I think of it I picture the Cavendish Perry again because that's probably from one of those episodes I feel yeah, that's what I would imagine. The cabin. That is going to be so interesting. The, the cabin Perry. I'm really. It was probably not even a big thing. Yeah, if like uh the whole there was the trailer for season two and it showed them you know getting sucked up into the portal and we were like oh that's a big plot thing, and then in game night it's just oh well they they just got sucked into the portal. <laughs> that was that was kind they of it. They threw us off. They really did. That's for sure. Um. So what else about uh, pace makes waste? De- definitely had to bring up Bradley in it selling the expired vegetables that doesn't seem a little bit weird to you now that you have a plant for an arm i don't know probably doesn't but i can't help but think of those things i promise i'll never eat at a salad bar ever again that's probably actually bradley now he probably he probably is doesn't like to eat vegetables as much now it's a little weird i'm not sure if he started he liked eating vegetables beforehand i feel like he would be the rebellious kid who would like cry when his parents tried to feed him the broccoli on the on the little spoon. Yeah, and they're like, "This is bringing up Milo's World again." They're eating at a restaurant, and it's like a vegan restaurant, and all he's got is a drink. So I'm like, he's avoiding the vegetables because I think that yeah, they would they would. Another thing that I liked with them, and we saw this in a script a while ago, and I was wondering when this would come in. So when I heard it, you know what, it made me even happier because I was expecting this one at some point. Is the thing where Milo looks to Elliot as he hears him making some kind of a weird sound. He's like, are you laughing or crying? He's just like, I don't know. <laughs> that was very funny because 
it, it's it's just he, he's he's so conflicted with his emotions he's like do i love that i'm in the pace car or do i hate it oh this was another thing i noticed if you go back to the episode disaster of my dreams in season one elliot he is part of his safety czar song he says uh just think of me as life's pace car and you know now he gets to drive the pace car but now he always wants to call it the safety car i'm like elliot but you called it the pace car before just to make it rhyme in your dream. It's for the sake of a song. His subconscious wanted it to be called he's, a pace he's car. Gotta, he's got to make sacrifices for that. Exactly. If he's going to be the great music star, he has to make sacrifices of personal world. He's going to be. He's going to be the doofenshmirtz of musical numbers in this show. I've never thought about that. You're right. He probably will be. A lot of people, or not a lot, but I've seen a few people bring that up. So, and I kind of. Th- thought on it with you know the background dancers and everything i'm like yeah he kind of is well and then you also have the the auto-tune in the world without milo song which kind of matches because uh a lot of dance singing as doofenshmirtz can be a bit rough so they'll sometimes put like auto-tune on it to make it sound like a little bit better um just because it's it's so raw i don't think dan poppenmeyer is a bad singer whatsoever i just think his doof voice doesn't exactly adapt itself for singing well Back to um, Pace Makes Waste, though. Um, okay, one of the big things about it, you know, is supposed to be the growth of Elliot. Like I said in the beginning, he actually got to the point once they got off the car and everything where he was really excited. And he was, he had fun, and he thought it was nice and everything. And then the license plate falls off and hits his foot. And I'm, he starts getting super dramatic, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Well, you probably wear steel toe shoes and you're freaking out because this little license plate fell off and hit your toe. It's just, I don't know that that would hurt that bad. Yeah, license plates aren't that heavy. It may it reminded me of the later episode when Doof he goes through the whole day and you think you think his character is going to get development and then like at the very end he's just like, "Yeah, no, not going to happen." I think they're just like, "Yeah, no, Elliot, in order for his character to be funny, he has to stay antagonistic." For some reason, I found it funnier with Elliot than I did with Doofenshmirtz. And maybe that's because Elliot hasn't been waiting as long for that payoff. That's true. We've, we've, we've yeah, gone back to Phineas and Ferb. He's had like five or six episodes for that payoff to come in. But like now, Doofenshmirtz has had four seasons. And he did have that payoff. And now, he, you know, we're back to square one. Which I can kind of see why. But... It might be going a little overboard with it. Maybe. I don't know. That whole episode was really fun. It was. I mean, on on the Doof thing real quick, we'll just have to wait and see where they go with that. Yeah. That's the best way to tell how they're doing. Oh, I forgot about how in Picture Day, Tobias Trollhammer, you see him as they're going through the pictures, and he's got like a bunch of adoring fans at the premiere of Krill Hunter. So apparently the new movie with Milo was doing pretty well. I need to see that movie. I want to see how that scene played into see. the whole thing. Yeah. Like, what movie did they build around that scene? If they ever make a Milo Murphy's Law movie, that's what we need it about. Yeah. Dan Swampy, I would not I would be very surprised if Milo Murphy's Law ever got a movie, which is kind of sad, but there's. I would love them to do something along the lines of missing Milo with time travel again. Yeah, it would be, at this point pretty difficult for them to ever get a movie hopefully that changes soon yeah i need to get out there and 
like promote it for Disney and do their job. Yeah. With the release of season two, we'll see how it does. I can't wait for that. Just a few more months. Okay. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching that live. Was there was there anything else for Pace Makes Make Pace Makes Waste? You can say Agent Yoji's name, but the name of Agent Yoji, the real one, but you can't say Pace Makes Waste. It's a tongue twister. Um, Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. So that's Game Night and Pace Makes Waste. There's a lot to go over. Most of all, though, these were just fairly uh, non-plot-based episodes, other than the fact that we got the resolution of the Snowflyer 3 storyline. There wasn't a whole lot tying into the overarc, but they were both really good episodes. Yeah, I think they both were really fun episodes. If I had to pick before between them, it'd be a really close call, but I think I'd go for Game Night. Definitely. Game Night, even though Pace Makes Waste brought Elliot back into the fold, I think right now the best Elliot episode is still World Without Milo. Um, that one's going to be a hard one to beat. Yeah, that's definitely a tough act to beat. All right, so last thing before we close out the show, Ridiculous Rumors. So from these two episodes, let's talk about how they got back from the spaghetti people. So let's 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 just start a plot. So, you know, they're asking how to get home. And then Neil says, hey, I just went to Phineas and Ferb's house and they built me this other dimension transport remote. And the spaghetti people are probably going to be their guide or something if they have to adventure for a little, little bit of a ways. Name, name one of the spaghetti people. I just want to see with the... Like a name? Yeah, like give, um, give, give the, their guide a name. Um, wow, well, I'm bad at names. <laughs> Patricia. Okay, yes. Let's go with that since I got nothing better. I was trying to think of a pun on like meatball or sauce, but it was not working out. Pischetti? thought of pistachios when you said that for some reason. It has the U letter sound of that and that's where it goes. Okay. Um, I imagine that's the dimension where Mario lives. With the spaghetti people. These spaghetti people, they need a song while they're guiding them along. Like it'll probably be a really bizarre our weird song. I think it have a vibe somewhere between Isabella's song in The Wizard of Oz and then Perry's one in, or the one where Perry's going to Zolaire where he's going to get the mission. I feel like it have a vibe somewhere between those two songs. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Something along where it's just like the crazy and they're just like Cavendish and Dakota are like trying to resist you know, punching these things because it's it's so stupid. I can imagine. And maybe a little bit on the creepy side. Like, not horror creepy, but just kind of like, okay, what's going on? If it's an alternate universe, what if there's, like, different versions of all of our characters, but as spaghetti people? That would be really interesting. There's your drawing inspiration for the day. Okay, we'll see about that. I might I might try and do that sometime, because that's tempting. So, Mr. Block as a, as a spaghetti monster... And he, he, he comes in and he's like, Cavendish and Dakota, what are you doing in this dimension? That's breaking the they, rules. They really probably wanted to, at least Dakota probably really wanted to yell or hit that one. Because of the whole thing they just recently experienced. It'd be more of a gag playoff though than anything. I imagine like all the alternate dimension versions of Mr. Block all know each other. They're like all great friends and they just have like a yearly block con. Oh gosh. <laughs> Can you imagine what Second Dimension Block must be like? Like, under the doof dictatorship? 
Second Dimension Candace is a little more block than Second Dimension Mr. Block will be. Like, what if, be. what if Mr. Block was, like, it's super intimidated by Doofenshmirtz and, like, there's a Second Dimension Doofenshmirtz, and he was just, like, he got totally scared and freaked out when he came into the dictatorship and kind of reverted to, like, a, a baby. Like, he just remained curled up in his house all day with his mom. Yeah, because he would be probably a little more timid because this one's definitely very vocal. Not afraid to say what's on his mind. That's for sure. As his spaghetti Cavendish would probably have his glasses just basically made out of spaghetti noodles. I'm, I'm brainstorming design ideas now. The Milo meat spaghetti monster's hair is definitely made of meatballs. Because it's already got the right color and everything. Like in the same shape as all of the Murphys. Yeah. The classic hairstyle. Yeah, that's one thing that you can never break. Like if it's another Dimension version, it has to have that hair. Yep. Unless you're Nate. Yeah. Maybe you have another Dimension. None of the Murphys have it except for Nate. That could be one Dimension. It's so much fun to think of the other Dimensions. I really want to know what Milo and the gang were doing during the second Dimension movie. I feel I feel like Melissa should have been part of the resistance. Yeah, I've not been brainstorming that, but I've been might might have been brainstorming ideas for the Star Wars thing. So oh, I might have yeah. sketches. I might have sketches of that at some point if I could ever figure out how to draw the characters in Star Wars outfits. Like Nate is like Anakin, and like uh, I think I think Ashley well, Michelle Simpson most... had said that once where she thought he looked a lot like yeah Anakin. One of her I think one of her friends had said it. For the most part, though, I'm trying to stay like the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars and just have it characters added in, not replacing anyone. Okay. I've kind of already got an idea for Milo and somewhat for Melissa and Zach. That's really cool. Yeah, there's there's another Star Wars dimension. There's so many dimensions to go through. So after after they meet up and they have all those interactions with the spaghetti people, then they go through all the dimensions and Milo's happiness allows them to get to get through you know with positivity he holds up the flag and he like leads them like he does in the undergrounders behind spaghetti person in the first one exactly spaghetti person has to be in the lead so then so then what happens when they get back what does bob block say but he's a little more relaxed like you said so he would probably listen to the whole story um I want to say he might think it's a little crazy, but at the same time, he'd probably have this super chill response. It's hard to say. I'm not, a character that I've not thought on much, he's one, he's one of the characters I haven't thought on as much. And that's weird because I've experienced or expressed how I've had a lot of interest in what his character is going to be like in the future. Yeah. I mean, he, but he reacted pretty relaxed to the whole thing with Milo's picture on the phone and everything and just asked about it. So he probably asks Cavendish and Dakota about what goes on and they sit down and tell him the whole long story and once they get to the end of it, he's just kind of like, yeah, okay, I've seen Stranger Things than that. Not, no, I'm not referencing there. <laughs> so yeah, they get back, they resolve. Neil is still with Sarah. The world is at peace. We definitely need to, in the middle of it, have more Neil and maybe, you know, the I don't know. Did you already say something about them having like a conflict in it? Didn't yeah, some, have to be big. Some sort of just minor relationship quibble for Sarah and Neil. Like this is the kind of life you live. Like you're going to other dimensions. I didn't even know that existed. 
Like, I think it's funny that Cavendish and Dakota... I thought Dakota that was a fictional thing. Oh, yeah, I thought you were just really kidding. I think it's funny Cavendish and Dakota didn't know about aliens until they discovered Pig. Like, in the future, like... Because you go to the future library and they have, like, the whole list of world domination by everything. Like, did aliens never come up? Maybe they just never visited the library. It was the, um... Maybe it was the... Okay, it's a little time loop thing again. Maybe it was the t- timeline before that technically came in. And it wasn't anywhere in the files. I'm just going to go with they abolished public education. Because I just really want that to happen. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, we're not going to teach you history. There was a whole thing about pirates, but doesn't know basic history well that would be history though well, he studied time travel for 20 cycles and he still doesn't understand the peach paradox so i don't understand that either <laughs> you'd think that's they would makes, like that's it, what makes it good if doof if doof you know figured out everything about time travel to teach everybody you'd think you know the, the whole peach thing would be somewhere in his research but nope it's probably got a really bizarre solution to help you understand it it's probably somewhere similar to what dakota was saying just everything works out like like milo says everything has a strange way of working out that's that's the writer's uh philosophy everything has a strange i I can see that as like a giant banner right underneath look at that sun look at that sky then everything has a strange way of working out yeah i think that would be about right all right so that about concludes our episode for this week guys i hope you enjoyed listening and thank you for tuning in just one more reminder, please uh, check out the show on Anchor FM and leave us a message because we'd love to hear what you're saying uh, and your thoughts on uh, anything that we've talked about today. If we missed something from the episodes that maybe you noticed that we didn't, uh, we'd love to hear it and discuss it next week. So thank you for tuning in once again, and we'll see you next time on America or Milo the Show. It's my world and we're all living in it. All credit goes to Fizzy on YouTube for recording the Milo Murphy's Law instrumental theme. The original Milo Murphy's Law theme song is copyright Disney 2018, as well as all the characters and things that we discuss. Any copyrighted content from Milo Murphy's Law in this production is used to enhance our opinions and commentary on the show.